0: So Paul's going to hand out, everybody needs a number this morning, and I'm going to tell you about it at the end of the service. It's a, um, it's a little activity I want to do this week, and I want to give you a chance to be a part of it. So you're going to get w- one of five numbers, and it's going to give you a little bit of a, a opportunity to do something good. I will tell you that one of the numbers represents some money. So if you pick those, when you go to the eye table at the end, you're going to see Laura, and she's got the key, and she's going to give you that, and then you're going to do something good to show love to your neighbor. So... Um, It could be kind of fun. So everybody needs one. I want to make sure that you're a part of that. The second thing I'm going to tell you this morning is that I've asked the college to put a a little beep during my sermon so that when you, I need an amen. So if you hear a beep, I want you to say amen. The truth is it's actually a smoke alarm that's going off and it's way up there. So there's no way we can get it. I just thought it might be kind of fun if you heard it and you said amen. I I was at a, a conference last week and there was a, some, some guys that were just awesome. I think I told you some, some of you this, but were so alive when the speaker would talk, and they were African American, and they would say things like "You go, you go on," and, and it was just—it's a bunch of preachers sitting in a room, and we're all stuff-shirted people. And I went to them and I said, "That is—that's so much fun." I said, "Could you come to Mountain View one week and just kind of get us going a little bit?" Because. There are Sundays when I look and I go, "Hey, it'd be good for an amen." And you know, a couple of you go, "Amen," you know, because you're because you're afraid. So anyway, if you want to say amen when you hear the beep, I'm okay with that. But uh, there's really nothing we can do. The uh, the fire alarm's going to go off. We're working through a uh, a series that I've really enjoyed <clears throat> called Overcomers. And one of the things, and, and as you're getting your numbers, I'll just kind of give you a little bit of uh, introduction. But one of the things that I like about <clears throat> the concept of overcoming means that. That Christ knows in your life and mine that there are certain times when we just need to hear that promise that we can overcome whatever we're facing. And, and another thing that, that I think he does for us is he gives us the chance no matter where we are, no matter how struggle, how much of a struggle we're in or how much of a challenge we face, he's always got something for us to be in. And I want you to, to catch that this morning and, and with that I'm going to Start my message by telling you about it's called an open door revival. That's what we're preaching about today. But more importantly, when, and you can look in your Bible to Revelation 3, verses 7 to 13, we talk about the church in Philadelphia. And uh, early in my ministry, I had a chance to be a part of what I would call an open door ministry opportunity. And you're going to laugh. And I, I picked this one in particular to share with you because I don't believe that when God says he's got this open door ministry, I have to step through, it's gonna be this dramatic, uh, life-changing, although it always is a life-changing thing, where when we dr- step through that door, we're gonna go, wow, I was blessed. We lived in Seattle at the time, <clears throat> and I, was, I attended what was called youth specialties, uh, youth conferences, Aaron takes our, our youth leaders and takes some of the pastors from our conference to these, they've been doing it for years. So I looked at the city, and, and this is gonna surprise some of you younger people, this was before the internet. So I had to figure out a way. There was was actually an NFL football game in the same city that we were at. And a good friend of mine was playing for the team of the town we were in. And I thought, I wonder if I could go to the NFL game and and just kind of see. So I thought, you know what? I knew he was kind of struggling. He and his wife were newly married. They were kind of in a a spot of fame and fortune because that's what the NFL will do for you sometimes. And so I made some phone calls. And in the course of the conversation, he said, hey, John, why don't you come? And of course, I got brave and I said, well, there's going to be three youth pastors with me. And he said, come, I'll get you tickets for the game. So I thought, OK, this would be a good opportunity. It was phenomenal. I mean, we changed our plane tickets. I had three of the poorest youth pastors in the world with me. And we got there and and they took us into their practice facility. And I had a great opportunity to minister or to talk and really to minister to my friend. And then as we went the next day to pick up the tickets, he informed me, hey, I, I forgot you guys were coming. So I gave my free tickets away to some other people that happened to come from Billings, Montana. So I had to make a real quick decision. A the guys with me had no money. So I phoned my wife, and this isn't always a part of the open-door ministry. I said, hey, dear, I'm going to drain our savings because I've got to pay for these, these tickets. And so what we did, and it was interesting. Had a great visit. Uh, he and his wife really appreciated it. We had time to pray with them. It was a tremendous game. I looked it up. I, I went on the Internet now and found the year of it. Steve Young took his... And led them back to a one point victory, and we were there for the whole thing. So it was the San Francisco Niners that I was watching play the New Orleans Saints, and that was back in the early 80s. But here's what I want you to hear from me. I believe that, that it was amazing to me that, to be a part of that. I believe that God has things for you and I to be a part of all the time, He wants us to, to see this open door. And he wants to see us uh, go through that open door and get involved. And I say that this morning because I believe some of us feel like there's, there's several reasons why we can't do that. Then we're going to to the church in Philadelphia. Some of us believe that we are doing all we can, and I'm okay with that. You are involved, you are serving, you're using your spiritual gifts. I'm excited about that. My goal this morning is not to put a guilt trip on anybody, because you know, you know that guilt is a huge motivating factor in our lives. If we feel like somebody's pouring guilt on us, it either makes us do something or it makes completely shut off and say, hey, there's no way I'm listening. You can't tell me what that never happens to you guys, but I understand it. There's also some of you this morning that are realizing that you don't feel like you know what your capabilities are. So for you to step up and and to step through an open door, you're going, I don't really have a lot of skills and I'm not really good at a lot of things. I read a, a blog this week by Rick Warren. He said that most Christians today that go to church know a lot about the Bible. But a lot of Christians that go to church today do very little with what they know. And I thought that made sense. So I read through his blog and he just said, we have the knowledge for the most part, but we do nothing with that knowledge for the most part. And so we look at that. Then I think there's a group of us this morning that literally look and we're afraid. We are scared to death to go through that open door because we feel like God is going to call us to do something we've never wanted to do. But that still small voice tells us what to do. Early, early in my ministry, a guy knew that the Lord wanted him to go to a country in Africa. And so when the Lord called him to this country in Africa, he, he just panicked. He must have come to me 10 times and said, John, I, I want to go on the, this, this trip to Africa, but I don't think I can do it. Yes, I know I need to go. I don't, I, and, he, and he just fought. Finally, he went, and it was one of the best things ever for him because he stepped through that door, and he was, there was a lot of things he was afraid of. I've been to, to Kenya three times. And if you're not a germ freak, you will become one. And I say that only because I hope someday that the Lord leads you to go to Kenya. Because I mean, I went with the younger people who would take those filters that you get at REI and you can dip them in a muddy puddle and filter, you can drink it. There's no way I could do that. I mean, I, I watched them put in there, I watched them drink it, and then I watched them die. No, then I watched them, they were, they were okay. But, but it was amazing. I mean, I just could not, I couldn't bring myself. And so I got the one bottle of water that B. Marunga told me was, she said, don't get all, any, any, most of the bottled waters are just the same thing you're drinking out of the tap but there's one name that you can use, so we look for that all the time, and that's what I drink. I think that that I want you to catch this morning, when Christ reveals his will to the church at Philadelphia, I really believe that that's something we at Mountain View can can listen to and follow through on, because I believe what he's got for us is this ability to step through an open door for ministry. And, And if we had time this morning, I would go through our congregation, and I would let you share some of the ways that you've seen him bless you through stepping through an open. And, and the blessings were incredible. But I also think that some of you might in a moment of honesty share and say, there was a time when I really felt like God directly shared with me to go through a door and I chose not to. And ever since then, I've wondered because I feel like I've maybe missed an opportunity. And, and that's what I want you to hear this morning. I want you to kind of catch this, this idea that as he talks to, uh, talks to us, he realizes that he tells us to step through that open door to be a part of a ministry that he's designed for us. Our strength is low, our perspective is focused, it may be small, and we're weary, but as we stay true to his message, he says, I've got this open door that I want you to go through. Philadelphia, the sixth church in Revelation, gives gives us a message from God. He he sent it to a group of believers who find themselves in a setting that seems like it's determined or it's destined to be a slow-moving church that's just getting the job done for the Lord, and he gives them this open-door ministry. An opportunity to share the message of Christ to their world. If you have your Bibles, follow with me. I did, purposely didn't put it on the screen this morning. I want you to read along with me chapter 3, verses 7 to 13. So if you've got on your phone or whatever, it's the church in Philadelphia. And we will start with verse 7. <clears throat> it says this, To the angel of the church in Philadelphia Right, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and when he shuts, no one can open. I will also keep you from the door of trial, for the hour of trial, that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. Verse 11, I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. What impresses me about Jesus is he's so personal with you and me. And he writes these letters to the seven churches in Revelation, and when he writes to the the people, he writes to them in a very personal way. He knows us. He knew them. And as he shares that, he begins to to point out all the things that are going on. And, and, And in our lives there are times when God points out to me just some things that, that I know he knows about me. It's through other people. It, it's just amazing to me. And, and sometimes it's good, and sometimes it's not so good. So you need to listen to both. He says three things here this morning to the believers. He says, I know, I am, and I will. So the first one you see Uh, The the first point here is, uh, I know, which we we heard in the 8th verse of Revelation. He says, I know your capabilities, I know your priorities, and I know my plan for you. He knows all things. He knows about the church, he knows each individual, their thoughts, their words, their deeds, their city, and their enemy. And so when Christ says to me through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in his word that everything I face will not overwhelm me, I believe that because he knows who I am. He knows all things. The city, Philadelphia, Lydia, Church, or Lydia City, founded by, this guy's name was Attilus II, Philadelphia. The king was so named by his devotion to his brother, Eminus, thus the title, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. And we've heard that from the Philadelphia we have here in the States. Nestled under, under Mount Thomas, on a broad, lowly, and easily defended hill. It was also a place where, the way I found in one commentary, was disastrously seismic. A San Andreas-type fault earthquake hit in A.D. 17, and it destroyed this city completely. And when they rebuilt it, people were so afraid that that, uh, they stayed out of the city in fear. They lived outside of the walls of the city because they just didn't want this earthquake to take them down. It was situated on the main route of the Imperial Road from Rome to the east. They called it the Gateway to the East. Commercially it was important because they grew grapes and grapes were very prosperous for them and everybody counted on these grapes grown in Philadelphia. One of the interesting things that I found was it was called the missionary city because one of the things that Rome wanted this city to do was take and introduce Greek language and Greek culture to the annexes, Lydia, Pergia, and all the areas around there that they would have the ability to work that culture in. So it was a very important city through pagan cults, through celebrations, all the things that went on, Philadelphia took care of it. We've seen in the other five churches, we have this one and one more next week, that this, this pagan ritual of worship was important to them. And, and I liken I like that today to some of the things that you and I see as just things that we've taken on. Either the internet has introduced us to it, or our habits have caused us to just stay in these areas, and it becomes a ritual that we think is important and it definitely affects our lives. So within this city, God plants a church called to be salt and light to build his kingdom. I see this as a letter to Mountain View. We are in a society that needs us to be salt and light. We know what to do. We just don't do it. I know. Another thing he says in verse 8 is you have little strength. It's not much of a church. No one would have looked into the Philadelphian church and said, hey, this is a conclusion. This is an happening church. In fact, Swindoll, and it says it on my, he he says, it's not great in size or influence. She was small potatoes compared to other churches. That's a a typical Swindoll phrase. Warren Wearsby said, not a large church or a strong church. The believers were tired, endured persecution, probably feeling insignificant, weak, just sort of holding on, and Christ knew that. He saw this group of people, this faithful group of people, and he said, I know you're hanging in there and I want to talk to you. He said, I know your priorities. Next slide. You're true to his word. To the best of their ability, they were doing what God had called them to do. They were true to his name. They were Christians in thought, words, deeds. Christ called them his own. They were true to his cause. They patiently endured through trials because of their obedience to him. The synagogue of Satan, he, he, you heard that phrase in, the, in, this, chapter, in this third chapter, uh, Jews who lied about their walk with God. They rejected Christ and they persecuted the true believers. So there may be people around you and I that aren't following Christ's principles and they're persecuting us. And some of us maybe have never experienced persecution because we've allowed ourselves to slip into an area where we, we avoid all the confrontation. And everything that we know God's challenging us to do, we just kind of ignore. And so we we slide into a routine where we do the things that make us feel the best. He said, I know his plan. I know he had a plan for us. He said, I've placed before you an open door. So Christ sees this little city, the gateway to the east, the missionary city to be used to spread the Greek culture and language. He sets before them the open door to build his kingdom in a big way. And I like to think about that, church, and I like to say to myself, you think they just jumped up and said, man, I cannot wait to get involved in this open door. It's exactly what I want to do. I want to be a part of it. No, I'm sure that they, in their weariness and in their struggles and in everything that they were were going through, they probably said, Lord, we we just don't know if we can do that. Christ knew exactly what they needed to hear. I believe he knows what we need to hear this morning. And I believe he knows that, that we need to hear him say, I am. And that's the next... Passage that he gives to us that I, I want to. He talks about holy, which is hagias, separation from ordinary. Christ wants them to, to know as he sets them before them an open door for ministry, he is separate from the ordinary. He's not like anybody else. And when he says, I am, as they realize who he is, they say, You know what? I want to follow you. True. Altenus, not counterfeit. One who cannot lie. If you're deciding this morning. Whether or not to fully commit to Jesus Christ, remember that he himself was unable to lie. And so when he says that, he tells us that his truth, it makes, difference, it makes the difference that nobody else can claim in all of the world. I am the Messiah, he said. Trust me. He said, I'm sovereign, <clears throat> Deafest, supreme universal authority, the Greek word said. I'm an open door that no one can shut. And then he goes to far and says, and the ones that I shut, no one can open. This small group is being asked to step through his open door, and he will provide for them. It reminds me of some biblical illustrations. One of them I think about is Jericho. Remember the story of Jericho and how the, the band of the Israelites marched around the outside of the walls of Jericho. This, this band of people had to figure out a way to step through an open door, and the way that they defeated the enemy was, they listened to what he said, and at the end of the seventh time, they blew their trumpets, and the walls fell over. Are there walls in your life this morning that that you are not allowing anything to come in or to go out by? And God's saying to you, I have this open door opportunity. Gideon. Gideon was a, a, a great warrior, and he stepped out into battle, and he saw many, many people out there, many, many enemies ready to defeat, and what did God do? He sent them to a brook twice, and he finally had them kneel down, and as they drank from the brook, he noticed there was two ways to do it. Because he looked for the best warriors, and if you think about this, those who put their mouth in the stream, he dismissed, and those who cupped their hand and put it to their mouth because they were alert for the enemy, he kept, and it took him down from thousands to three hundred. I was there when I went to the Holy Land two years ago, and we had a chance to kneel, and I remember I remember what it was doing, and I remembered to, to use my hand because I knew the story of the Bible, because they were taking pictures. So there were some guys who were drinking right out of it, and I listened to one guy go, "You're not going." Because in the story, he remembers, you, you, and it was, it was amazing. It was just an amazing experience. You almost, it was kind of a holy place. I, I, I encourage you, if you ever get a chance to go on a Holy Land tour, to do it. There was David and Goliath. You know the story. David steps up, looks at a whole army of people that are afraid of Goliath. Did you see the guy dunk over Taco Fall last night in the NBA All-Star game? Taco Fall 7-6, and the final dunk, the guy jumped over him and dunked it. That's pretty impressive, okay? I'd never try to dunk jump over because Taco wouldn't let me. But David steps up, and he sees this big giant who's saying, you're your dogs, and he's calling them all out, and he says, you know what, my God is big enough, and here's an open opportunity to go through. He doesn't even wear the armor. For one reason, it doesn't fit, but it encumbers him. And he takes a stone, and he goes through that opportunity, that door of opportunity. If you and I are going to determine what it is that God wants us to do by the immense part of what that that opportunity is. In other words, if it's something that you think is way too big, I think of those three biblical illustrations. If you judge it by something that seems to be insignificant, I look at at all the times when people who did little insignificant things like the usher who encouraged uh, Billy Graham not to leave a revival meeting. He caught him as they were walking out the door and said, would you stay? And Billy gave his life to Christ that night. A little insignificant 12-year-old boy. So if you've determined that it's got to be something amazing when God gives you that door to step through, then, then I want to pray for you. But if you're willing this morning to say, Lord, I want to be ready to go through that open door, it, it doesn't matter. And that's what I like about the church in Philadelphia. It doesn't matter the size or the significance. It matters that we are able to say, God, you do in and through me what you want to do. But the people needed promises. So he goes on to say, I will. I will protect you. I will rescue you. You, I will honor you. The first thing he says, he will protect us. He says, I'll take care of your enemies. He tells them he knows what they're struggling with. He knows what you and I are struggling with this morning, and he will protect us. He knows that there are people that we need in our lives. He he brings them into our lives that we, we count on. I know for a fact that there are times when I'm discouraged that the Lord has provided for me, my wife, who says, John, you got to see the big picture. And that is huge to me. That's how the Lord protects me. There are people who step in and step up and say, I want to go through this open door, and as I go through this open door, God's gifted me this way with spiritual gifts that, says, that will say, you know what, I'm stepping up to protect you. And that's what he's telling us. I will rescue from immediate Roman persecution, he says, and I will not let you be overwhelmed, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. He says to you and me that everything we face will not overwhelm us. How many times this week did you feel on the verge of being overwhelmed? Was it work? Was it a family situation? Was it a habit? Was it something that you knew that that you were just struggling with? His word tells me this morning because he says, I am holy, I am true, and I will will be with you. But he said, I will be there. I am. I will protect you, I will rescue you, I will honor you. You take care of my work, he says, I'll take care of your battles. He said, I will honor you. I will make you a pillar, a pillar marked by himself in his kingdom, secure, unshakable, strong, and stable. So if you're worried this morning and you're on shaky ground and you've got things going on in your life, the first thing you need to do is you need to say, Christ, come into my heart and my life. I want to see this open door, this ministry opportunity that you've given me. What's your open door this morning? To me, theologically, it, it says to me that, that what God is asking us to do through his son Jesus and the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in our society today is to stand true on his truth. And It almost sounds funny, but it, it makes a lot of sense. You and I are facing so many decisions that, the, that society is telling us to do. They want us to feel good. And they tell us that in order to feel good, that we need to ignore some of the truths and the promises that Christ has given to us that, are, that have been true for the ages. And so what happens is, rather than take a stand, we're afraid that if we do, we're going to get called out. And, and, or some of us will get so upset that when we take that stand, we say it in such a way that, that it turns all of our, our friends and relatives off. But some of us have decided, okay, I will change my theology because somebody in my family has changed theirs, and I want, I want to make sure that they feel okay around me. 1 Peter 3.15 Says this, but in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. For some of you, it's automatic. You do it with gentleness and respect, you see it as an opportunity, you see these ministry opportunities, you're stepping through doors all the time, you're saying, Lord, you use me, and you begin to see what happens. For some of us, it's difficult, because as we step through those doors, we think we've got to defend the name of Jesus in a very offensive, very defensive, or very aggressive way, and when we do that, those people around us are turned off, and some of us step through the door and say nothing. We're also supposed to be true to his name. We're supposed to be true to his name. He, he tells us in, in uh, as we think about this, we are to be uh, true to his name. And I put this, his word challenges us to hold captive every thought. Second Corinthians 10, 5 tells us that. But I liked Philippians 2, and I, I want to read these verses to you 9 through 11 this morning because it, it helps us as we're true to his name. Here's what he says. Paul writes, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. And gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. I wish the smoke alarm would go off right now. I haven't even heard it yet. Have you? No. See we we got it to shut down. Rats. I wanted a few amens. I can't think of a better passage. To cover how we feel about Christ. He's the name above every name. If you and I see the big picture. And we see the people around us that we love the most and we want to share with them in a very loving way that Jesus is the name above all names. It takes us to be true to his name and that's what he's telling us out of Philadelphia this morning. We talked about testing a couple weeks ago. Whatever we believe, the teachings that we hear, we're to test them against the word of God and against his truth. And as we test those teachings and those spirits, we begin to discover that maybe some of the things that we follow and some of the things that we stand for aren't right. Or maybe there's one that's such a big part of a blind spot we have in our lives that we don't discover it. And we need somebody quietly saying to us, John, are you aware that what you're doing is in direct contradiction to God's will for your life? Not an easy message to hear but extremely important to follow through. And one of the reasons is because there are people that God has placed in your world and mine, in my little family area, in my little part of society, that need to see me standing true to his name. Not not something that I have to get up every day and struggle with, but becomes such a natural part of me because of my love for him. We need to be true to his cause. Our love for Christ needs to be first and foremost every day. I like Romans 12.1 from the message. And it says this, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you, take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. He wants us to be overcomers. He wants us to see this opportunity. And there are some of us who have, have we've grown weary. Like the church in Philadelphia, we are, we are small, we're tired, we're trying to do the right things, we've got kids in different ages, we've got situations, we've got friends that are forcing us to do things, telling us to do things, and he tells us we're to be overcomers, to step through that, that door of ministry. I can think of so many in my life where when God encouraged me to go through that door, it changed me drastically. Everything from learning what it meant to be on the board at Peniel Mission in Seattle. I've told you stories about that before, and how it changed my whole view on the homeless and the, those who were less fortunate and how to help them in a lot of ways. Stepping through a door and going, they asked me to, to be the speaker for this place called Rancho Santa Marta. I was living in Seattle, so I jumped on a plane. I flew to L.A. I jumped in a bus with a bunch of high schoolers I didn't know. We drove down to this orphanage, and all I did for a week was cry because I'd never been, ever been exposed to the needs of people who were so precious in God's sight. And, and it changed my life. Stepping through doors of people who I was afraid of. And as you step through those doors, and I'm not not just telling you, so you think I'm this amazing guy. I'm telling you that God continues to shape my life because there are things that I'm afraid to do. There are doors that I'm afraid to step through. And there's one right now from Mountain View that he is pushing me hard through, and I'm going to do it. But I need everybody to be aware of as we go through that door because we need to build a building. And as we do that, we've got we to put our fears aside. And that's where I'm struggling because I see a, a wonderful group of people and I know exactly what God has for us. And as He takes us through that door, it's going to change our church and our community forever. And, and I want to be a part of that. What does the message to the church in Philadelphia, an open door ministry, mean to you today? What is God saying to you? There are things that that I sit on that I know I need to do. There are people I need to reach out to. And I make a list just so you know. I start my week every week and I write all these things. I I went to a time management thing years and years ago. They said write five things. Only make your list five things because when you get done with the five things, you're excited, you go to the next five. And when I first used to make my list, I'd have 42 things on my list. I never got 42 things done in a day. I probably never got them done in a week. But one of the things that I do in that list of five every week is I write names of people right here that God is laying on my heart to minister to, to reach out in some way this week, and I really work hard to try to do that. A couple months ago, I saw somebody that I've been praying for. They showed up to church, and I I might have told somebody this. I accidentally let them out of my mouth. I said, man, it's good to see you. I've been praying for you really hard all week. And the wife goes, did I do something wrong? (laughs) And I realized I shouldn't have said I've been praying for you hard all week. I probably should have just said, good to see you. But the Lord works on us. That's that open door of ministry. Here's how I want to finish Luke 10 27 is a very familiar verse It says love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength And with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself I'm going to ask you this morning to do me a favor and I want to hear about it You have a number in your hand and At the end of the service this morning, you're going to walk to the eye table You're going to see laura and she's, there's Laura, she's waving at you, she's, she's my friend, Laura and Juan are awesome, and so is Grayson. And, and, and you're going to hand her that number, she's going to give you a slip of paper that will tell you how to love your neighbor as yourself. And I would love to hear from you, I forgot to put my email on it, it's johns at, at mvcommunity.net, or it's just john at mvcommunity.net. Send me a note and tell me how you did it, because some of you are going to get a chance, it's everything from asking people over for a meal, to sending a note to somebody, to making a phone call, to to getting some money and showing some people some love so that as we love the neighbors ourselves, the church at Philadelphia was tired and they were working hard and God said to them through through Jesus, here is an open door ministry for you. And some of you are looking at me right now and saying, John, I'm I'm the farthest in my life than I've ever been to step through an open door to do ministry. But my prayer this morning is the Holy Spirit will give you and I the ability to say, here we go. And we're going to step through. I remember that the things I wrote here, um, I've placed before you the ability to enter through a note, true to his word, true to his name, and true to his cause. True to his word, obedience. True to his name, life, word, thoughts, all those things. And true to his cause, the endurance that we have to stay with him. And I want you to catch this morning the importance of this message, because where we live, sometimes is not where he wants us to live. Where we live, he wants us to do even greater things. What's stopping you today? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I sense you're here this morning, and I'm grateful for that. And I sense that you, uh, you want to do things in and through us, and Lord, it can be the smallest of things that you're just asking us to step through that door of ministry, that open door. There may be some this morning, Holy Spirit, that you're kind of sharing with ways or things that are keeping them from going through that door. If it's something in their lives if it's something they need to just get right with you and ask for forgiveness and and then they can step through if it's something that that because we're so afraid we're we're just not willing to go through that and yet you're saying you said to this church i'm watching you i know you're weak i know you're tired i know you're struggling but i have great things for you i want you to present the message of christ to a a city that's got a, a responsibility to share an even bigger picture and we can put christ into that he's doing the same for us here at mountain view this morning lord speak to us Help us to react and to act and to follow through. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to sing Blessed Assurance, just a song about praising Jesus. We'll send you guys out of here about... Blessed assurance Jesus is mine Oh, what a forte glory divine heir of salvation purchase of God born of his Spirit, washed in his blood this is my story this is my song